Hello, friends. Welcome back to another episode of Theology in the Raw. I have on the show today a very, very special guest. I know I say I have a special guest on the show whenever I have a guest, and they are all special in their own way, but this one is extra special, as you will see why. My friend Christian is intersex. Christian um, uh, was born with a condition whereby he or she has both male and female anatomy, internally and externally. And Christian, my friend, is also a sold-out believer in Jesus Christ. Christian is a fun person. Christian is an incredibly wise person. I've been looking forward to this conversation for a long time because I've hung out with Christian a few times, and they have just challenged me, encouraged me, been such a massive blessing in my life, and opened up categories for me that I didn't even realize existed. And so I want you to experience that same thing by listening and learning from my good friend, Christian. So welcome to the show for the first time, my friend, Christian. We're going to be talking about intersex. We're going to be talking about binary-ness, male and female-ness. We're going to be talking about the church. We're going to be talking about the gospel and Jesus and all that fun stuff. So here we go. Let's dig into this conversation. Live, Christian. Thank you so much for being on Theology Nara. Um, why, why don't we start? Just let's just go back to. Um, uh, I want to go back because we, we've talked quite a bit about your story. I want to start with your conversion, how you came to Christ, because you were not raised at all in a Christian environment, and yet, uh, I, as, as I recall, there was this this conversation w- with a. Pr- a kind of pesky pastor, if I remember correctly, who just kept pursuing you. So, uh, yeah, just give us a little bit about your background and maybe, you know, center it on, on that kind of your conversion experience. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> um, I do have a pretty rough background and um, I'm, I'm glad this is conversation in the raw because I was really not a nice person. then. <laughs> and so um, it's it's neat for me to have the opportunity to share that. So. Um, awesome. yeah, yeah, going on 20 years or more ago, wow. I was, uh, really in pretty rough shape and because of just a really rough past, I was definitely suicidal because I knew that I was going to die one way or the other. And so I thought, Hey, I'm gonna, I'm gonna do this. And there was, I, I lived alone and I had a dog and I would take my dog walking and there was a pastor that lived in my neighborhood. And uh, anytime I would walk my dog, he wanted to come out and talk to me and I didn't want to talk to him. So I would cross to the other side of the street. I was so ticked every time I saw that he was home. But when I knew that I was going to kill myself, I said, you know, I'm not going to do it without somebody knowing why. And so I ended up, I knew where he was a pastor and I went to his office and I just laid it out and I said, I'm going to do this. Don't try and stop me. If you do, I'm going to stop you. And what ended up happening is I I laid it all out for him and I went home and I was glad to see he didn't follow me. And so I went home and I was preparing things at my house and putting my dog out in the backyard and all that kind of thing. And there was a knock on the door and 
It's like, oh, he better not be here. And sure enough, went to the door and there he was. And he just simply said, do you really want out? And I said, yep, I really do. But you don't understand what you're talking about. And he said, that is shut up. I asked you a question. I'm like, wow, a pastor that will shut me up. That's pretty cool. And so <laughs> he ended up shoving me on an airplane to uh, halfway across the U.S. And there I had somebody pick me up. And I didn't know these people, but they gave me a hotel room to stay in. And then after being there and safe for just a couple of days, then I heard, okay, now it's time for your appointment. I'm like, my appointment? What kind of appointment? And they said, well, you know, your prayer appointment. And I was so livid. I was like, this is the help you're offering me? Prayer. Really? You're going to pray for me? And that's going to answer. I was so ticked. And, and he's like, hey, look, what do you got to lose? If at the end of this, you decide to go back home, it's your prerogative. I'm not going to stop you. I'm like, well, okay, I can do anything for a couple hours, right? Yeah. <laughs> so I went to the prayer appointment. and there I really met Jesus. Mm. I had a prayer appointment where I was taken to the depth of my pain, but there I found Jesus Christ. And wow. it was almost a vision kind of thing where I could see things I could, I experienced. I didn't just make a decision with my brain. I experienced something at a heart and spirit level. And at that moment I gave my life to Jesus Christ. Wow. And, um, that was a beautiful event, but what took place thereafter was very difficult because just because when you try to leave a bad past doesn't mean that they leave you alone. And so um, hmm. I, had, I had some really difficult times for a while, and I ended up um, very injured, very hurt, and on the couch in a pastor and his wife, the, the pastor who prayed for me and helped lead me to the Lord, um, in his living room on his couch for several days, really messed up. And that's when they came, because they were taking care of me, they came to understand my intersex state. Mm -hmm. Because up until that time, I just hid it from everybody. Okay. And when I kind of came to after a few days, then they kind of came into my room and sat down and said, you know, we really need to talk because we've been taking care of you for a few days and there's some things you didn't tell us. What the heck? <laughs> like, oh crap. The jig is up. Oh man. And so they were the first people in my life that I voluntarily said, okay. this is who I am. Okay. And the pastor was so gracious to me and loving to me and said, look, I, didn't understand that before, but I have one question for you. Who would you be if you weren't pretending to be what everybody thinks you are? And I yeah. said, I, I don't even know. Well, and he said, right there, that's, that's your goal. That's your job now. That's what you have to find out. And so for more than 20 years now, that pastor and his family and other people have been um, surrounding me, helping me on my journey and on my walk, both to freedom spiritually, mm -hmm. but even mm -hmm. to freedom living as 
an intersex person who is not hiding and trying to be someone else. Right. And that has been so freeing, not only for my heart and my emotional state, but a beautiful freeing time of learning even how God sees me. And so walking with this pastor and walking in a very deep spiritual walk with the Lord, um, I, I remember for quite some time really struggling and praying to God, God, why did you make me this way? You know what? I believe you can heal people. I've seen you do it. Mm-hmm. So God, I'm intersex. I have both sets of organs. This is not okay. So I'm telling you, Lord, I believe you can heal me. And so in Jesus name, I'm asking for that. I don't care which way you heal me make me all male, make me all, I don't even care. Whatever you do, I will, I will never complain again. <laughs> Just please heal me one way or the other. Wow. And wow. nothing happened. Yeah. And I started to get really uncomfortable. And um, again, the pastor friend who's been walking with me for years, he said, you know, maybe you're asking the wrong question. I said, wait, what is this wrong question business? And it's like, well, you know, when I'm asking for healing, maybe I'm asking the wrong question. So I turned the question around and I said, Lord, what do you say about this? Because this is my perspective, but what do you say? And I just sat in prayer and just tried to listen. And in that still small voice in my spirit said, there's nothing to heal. And I said, wait, 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 <laughs> what are you talking about? There's nothing to heal. Clearly, you know my body, you know who I am, you know what I am. And as the, you know, I just started kind of a prayer conversation with God where he revealed, really, there is nothing to heal. Hmm. This is exactly how I've made you. Wow. I want you to live in the fullness of it. And so that's been kind of the big shift in my intersex journey of finding people who would walk with me, who weren't ashamed of me, but then also recognizing God himself didn't make a mistake. Hmm. Now my, my journey consists of living into everything he made me to be. Wow. And so it's different. That's a little different, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> Christian. For for our audience, can you um, maybe just a quick, quick? I mean, most people know what intersex is, kind of. I think of most Christians who might know what that means still have a lot of unclarity about what it what it means. So, can sure. you just maybe unpack what intersex is, and then then tell us what what specific intersex condition do you have? Because I know it is a quite rare in in the kind of broad umbrella of, of yeah. intersex. Um, So intersex is a condition whereby you have traits, and this is not mental or emotional, it's physical traits in your body, of some mix of male-female. And so for many, and probably the majority of people with intersex conditions out there, um, their body can externally look one way, uh, and they have internal organs of the other, that kind of thing. So... um, yeah, my particular uh, brand of that, my particular diagnosis is called chimerism. And uh, that is actually where two twins, basically, uh, in the mother's womb, are actually joined at everything and merged to create a body that can have mixed 
mixed uh, chromosomes and and genes in in one body. And so for me, mine really does have I I do have very mixed body parts. Mm-hmm. So um, I, I can sit across from somebody and say look, I know this is hard for you to understand, but I have all the organs that you have, and I have some of the same organs your spouse has. And so um, exactly how does that work in society? Well, that's, that's difficult. Yeah. Because, you know, in, uh, when, when you're talking about intersex conditions, many people lump them in with um, the L, G, and B on yeah. the alphabet soup. And for me, that I I don't really fit into that. I don't wish anybody any harm. I don't want to set myself apart from people. But at the same time, the issues that I have in my life and in my body are not the same. And so right. that creates some difficulty. Because most of the time when people see me, they will do a double take. Yeah. Um, they will look and they'll see what they assume to maybe be... Um, well, sometimes yeah. they'll see a female and then they'll do a double take and say, oh my goodness, no. And then other times they'll go out of the corner of their eyes, see a guy and then do a double take uh, because of, yeah. you know, breasts and rounder features in my face and my body. And so it's a little bit strange. So um, when you wake up in the morning, do you... I mean, do you kind of decide like, hey, I think I'm going to present as male today or female? Or do you have you forgotten that whole binary and just said, I am who I am and I'm not going to worry about which category I'm going to try to fit in? Which I, I know in a binary world with bathrooms <laughs> and, you know, uh, you know, we even talked about going through the scanners at the airport. And if you get flagged, you know, who's is it going to be a man or woman that's going to, you know, pat right. you down? And what are they going right. to find? And I mean, your your existence is is minute to minute complicated i mean complicated in the sense that you have these binary categories that most people fit into naturally but you simply don't and i imagine you're reminded of that whenever you go out walk outside the door can you tell us about that experience of being a biologically non-binary person in a binary world like what's that what does that feel like i guess i I asked several different questions there so you can pick whichever one for me i think it's um you know, I feel in my body very non-binary. Yeah. I, I, you know, I have to do all the things that a woman would need to do to, to take care of her body, but I also need to take care of male issues and shaving and all that kind of stuff. So it's like, it's confusing. But for me, it's not really that confusing unless I compare myself to other people. Oh, okay. It's in the comparison that there's pain. Wow. You know, so when I'm at home and I wake up in the morning, it's not painful. I, I'm me. I have the body God gave me and I do what I need to do with the body I have. Hmm. It's when I step out of the house. Yeah. And it's it really is true that um, I've come to realize how the rest of society seems to be able to take for granted their genderness. Mm-hmm. And um, for me, it's it's every time I leave the house. It's when I go to the store, like yesterday, I need to buy sandals. Well, 
my feet are kind of big for women and kind of small for guys. But it's like, even worse, I have to go pick out shoes that I like and then take them to the counter where somebody looks at me like, wait, are these for you or for somebody else? Mm. It's like, just leave me alone. I'm buying the damn shoes. (laughs) (laughs) You know, for the life of me, I don't understand why when I go to get a haircut, they're grappling over whether... Why do hair salons have a men's price and a women's price? Really, isn't it all just hair? (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, everything right down to going to church. When you go to church and there is a men's room. And if I have to go to the bathroom, I live 20 minutes from my church. If I have to go to the bathroom, I have an agreement with one of my friends and I have to excuse myself to go to her house okay because there isn't a place for me at my church and when i go to church i love to praise the lord i love to be there with my friends and then comes the song with the men's verse men sing this verse women sing the next verse Mm -hmm. and my friends who know me they kind of quietly just glance out of the corner of their eyes to make sure i'm okay And it's like, what am I going to do? I'm going to sing neither verse. And I often end up just crying. Oh, gosh. It's like, this this doesn't have to be this way, but society is this way. Hmm. And it's very difficult to know what to do with that and how to handle that. And so um, it does create some social anxiety for me at times. Mm -hmm. And I think one of the things that people misunderstand about intersex people is that sometimes people believe intersex to be people who are freakish or people who want attention or want to be something other than who they are. And of the intersex people that I know, most of us would say, we just want to be left alone. We aren't trying to flaunt anything. We're not trying to act like somebody we're not. Mm -hmm. Um, We're just trying to live in a world that doesn't quite understand us. Mm -hmm. And and that goes for the church and for Christians in general. Um, Most of the time, the church doesn't know what intersex is. And so for lack of knowing what it is, um, much of the church, at least much of the evangelical church, is rather quick to assume that this is moral question you know like Mm -hmm. who who i want who i'm attracted to or who i want to sleep with and it's like this is not that please don't yeah (laughs) don't do this (laughs) so yeah what are some i'm curious what are some of the um maybe more hurtful you're kind of getting there but some of the hurtful misunderstandings that christians have just just out of you know unintentional things that people say or do or assume or even questions people ask that might be a little invasive like what are some things that the church does that is that you know that they can maybe stop doing <laughs> that would be <laughs> and that would be helpful for you well, of course i can only speak from my experience sure. i can't speak speak from everybody's church experiences but i think um for me some of the the great gender divide in the church I don't think they understand how painful that is for people who are not very clearly gendered. 
Um, so it's very painful for me that in my church, there are men's Bible studies and women's Bible studies, and there isn't another unless I'm in recovery and need a 12-step program. <laughs> and that's not me either. <laughs> And so I don't know why the church feels such, I, I think it's fear over genders mixing, even in social ways or in Bible study ways. It's like, it's something very important to have a men's Bible study and a women's Bible study, but that leaves people like me out of both. Well, people so, like you, but also because somebody could say, well, OK, but that's such a rare condition. But it's like, well, let's expand that a little bit. I know a lot of people that don't have an intersex condition, but just simply don't really resonate with the kind of the stereotypes of what a man's okay. Bible study is or a women's Bible study. I think that there is a even if sex is set, biological sex is largely let's just say largely binary for most people. Absolutely. That the stereotypes are not, you know, like what it means to be, to live out your maleness or femaleness, or in your case, a blend of both, like what that looks like on the ground is really flexible and gray, you know? And so I think we, um, yeah, when we just assume kind of a real rigid behavioral binary, I think that's what makes it difficult for a lot of people actually. Yeah. I think one of the other things, and, and we're kind of touching on it too, is that people often assume that um, people who are intersex are a threat. Hmm. So, um, and it's kind of strange to say it that way, but, you know, for the pastor couple that I continue to be in close relationship with and friendship with, if I go out and get a Coke with the guy, the pastor, mm -hmm. people look at him and say, hey, is he going around with some other woman or is this a gay thing? If oh, they wow. think I'm a guy, then all of a sudden it's like, is this a gay thing? It's like, stop it. Stop. <laughs> if I go out somewhere and grab a cup of coffee with his wife, yeah, I feel a little awkward and I'm worried about what people are saying about her and what, and it's, I very early on in the time that I was with that pastor family um, and walking with them, he actually had people in his church say that I was there to break apart his marriage. Oh my gosh. Wow. And it's like, why are you assuming just because I'm intersex that the, the sex part is really active? Because of the kind of intersex that I am, I have very low libido. I don't have a lot of, you know, strong desire. I'm not. I'm not a very sexual person. Mm -hmm. I do like intimate conversations and relationships where there's closeness and we talk about deep spiritual things and about heartfelt mm -hmm. things, but I'm really not looking for partners. Yeah. Stop it. Yeah. Yeah. But people really do assume that whoever I'm with, I'm wrong. Wow. And at some level, even the church taking a big stand on same-sex marriage. Look, I am, I, I'll be honest, I'm conservative in my theology and in my beliefs on that. And so for me, I look and say, I generally tend toward the, you know, marriage to the opposite sex. But I have to ask you then, what is the opposite <laughs> sex to me? Yeah. 
Oh my gosh. Do do you yeah, so I mean your condition is 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 fairly unique. I mean, do you do you feel or identify as slightly more male one day or slightly more female or is it truly like those categories just don't make sense? I or? don't I don't switch like that from day to day. What I can say is you know that the thing that I told you that God talked to me about very early on, you know, is living who he made me to be Mm -hmm. that kind of speaks into my sexuality whatever low level of sexuality I do have it's like I have the desire to use the body parts God gave me right which what does that mean (laughs) right exactly so you know so it's like yes I have male organs and sometimes that would that thought really does cross my mind and I would like to explore that and feel that yeah at the same time I have female organs right back behind those male (laughs) organs and it's like so what does it mean for someone like me yeah what is the opposite sex to me does that mean somebody that has nothing (laughs) I don't get it (laughs) so so but you know the church would like to quickly stand up and have an opinion. What, what do and people I, say? I'm going to say that honestly. The church would like to stand up and have an opinion and say, um, "You should yeah. look at this person or that person based on who they think I am. Whether it's they're noticing that I have breasts, so they'll assume that I need to be looking for a guy, uh-huh. or if they see the rest of my life that I." probably appear more male than female much of the time and so then they'll say well so their opinion is gonna drive who I could or could not Mm -hmm. marry wait what whose say is it is it really their say and so it becomes a really tricky thing when you're intersex because people's assumptions Mm -hmm. are what kills you I just think in your I mean I would love to know yeah what what people think you should or shouldn't do. I, I, in my, in my view, you know, we have these categories, male, female, we have marriage, we have all this stuff and there, but there's some people that simply don't fit that, those categories, you know? So for me, I mean, I think I even told you this for me, it's like, I flip a coin. What I, I think you have the freedom to <laughs> No, really. I mean, I don't think there is any other legitimate, biblical you know answer that people can give no it must be this or that it's like based on what you know i think of like is bab should christians get baptized well of course okay what about the thief on the cross okay well that that's that's you know a a unique example where it's like yeah i think i think the dude saved even though there was no water up at the cross that he was you know dying on so um we do have exceptions to the rule we do have rules but do you realize how i am i am probably more obviously intersex than most intersex people are sure because most intersex people that you would see um walking down the road or in the grocery store for one you wouldn't know they're intersex right but for two you you can't see under people's clothes right you don't know what's there right and they're they're too comes for some people for some of society that becomes the threat and and yet it's like Look, you don't know what's really under somebody's clothes or what's in their heart or how God made them. Mm-hmm. 
God knows. <laughs> and yeah. So you, the best thing you can do for somebody who's challenged, and it doesn't matter if this is intersex or really even trans, yeah. you don't know. Because I know some people who they started out their teenage and early 20s thinking that they were trans. And it was only in the course of getting medical evaluation for hormone replacement therapy or whatever that they learned, oh, I have an intersex trait. There's a reason why my outside doesn't match my inside. But again, if the church and Christians and society are going to make bold statements about, well, you should not have this kind of hormone replacement therapy, or you should not have a relationship with this kind of person. It's like, you have to admit, dear Christian friends of mine, you have to admit, you don't really know what's going on in their hearts, in their lives, in their chromosomes even. And so I think, you know, you've talked about it in many of your materials. The biggest thing you need to do is walk with someone. Because if somebody has an opinion about who I should have a relationship with or something like that, it's like, walk with me through this. Pray with me and ask God with me. Don't just stand as a spectator on the side and lob your opinions at me. Yeah. Yeah. That's because you don't have any skin in the game. You aren't with me in it. I can't value that input. When you say, I mean, do people receive that to me that just makes so much sense like to me it's like of course like but do, do people have a still have a hard time is it still this fear this like these categories and if somebody doesn't fit in their circuits are just kind of blown they don't know what to do or, or when people <laughs> hear that it's like oh my gosh yes you're right this, i need to just walk with people especially people that aren't fitting in these categories well i think part of the problem is you don't actually know mm-hmm. you don't know who doesn't fit Right. You don't know how to approach somebody. You know, you can't just walk up to somebody that looks gender confused and say, hi, can I walk with you in life? It's like, <laughs> creep, creep, back away, back away. <laughs> hey, you look non-binary. Can I? Uh... <laughs> um, gosh. Wow. Uh, so um, you... Uh, all. So, I mean, intersex is obviously a huge part of your life. You're also a, a missionary. Like, you've been a missionary yep. for a number of years. Tell us about that and how maybe your intersex um, is, is condition. I've been saying the word condition. Is that, I, I want to make sure I use language that's humanizing. Is that, if when I say intersex condition, is that appropriate? I'm not that easily offended. So it might offend some people. I don't know. But for me, I'm okay. So. <laughs> what what yeah, would be another um, alternative? Uh, intersex? intersex i mean it's more than just identity i mean um intersex yeah because i yeah in, in, i don't know yeah okay <laughs> we'll just go with anyway, how about we just keep going though okay <laughs> how does your uh intersex uh condition play into your missionary work like is it an issue in in all the various countries you're going to or, or is it maybe the opposite could it be like an an, an open door in certain cultures that i wouldn't ha- necessarily have or well so I'm a missionary actually on three different continents, although I don't really exactly think that that North America is one of my highest uh, areas, but there you go. Okay. Anyway, so I, I do work um, in two other continents, and 
in those places, what I actually find is intersex is less of an issue hmm. than it is here in the States. For me, it is much harder to live here wow. than it is when I'm in other places. And so, um, you know, there are times where really uh, across the globe, people know about intersex more than we do. And I do look at that and say part of it is because of our fear of anything that's different. So if you have something different, um, you just don't talk about it and it becomes something to hide. Um, but the other part is, of course, for intersex people, um, most people with intersex conditions, especially from the 60s, 70s, 80s, you know, that time period, um, surgery was the immediate uh, you have surgery to normalize things. <laughs> and so many people, and, and this is why I, to some extent, have a heart even for trans mm -hmm. folks out there, because um, there are many people who have had surgery and they don't really understand it. And they just know, I don't know, there was a lot that happened when I was a kid, and I know I'm not what my body says and so that can be really hard and and it has to be navigated um carefully but when i go internationally um it's still rare no matter where i go there are some places uh some tribes in africa some places in asia um where this is actually relatively common and so uh recently i was talking with a pastor's wife um, in Africa and talking to her and she said and I actually she didn't really know or understand and again it just so doesn't matter as much there wow. so wow. I kind of explained you know um, since we're going to be working together you need to know a little bit more about me because if people have questions they're not going to come to me they're going to go to you right. and so I explained a little bit to her she said oh yeah you know, in in our town a while back, we had a mother who had a baby with mixed uh, mixed gender. Mm -hmm. And I said, oh, really? Where's the baby now? Oh, no, no, no. They killed it. It's oh, like, God. oh. <laughs> you know, so they know about it because when that happens, it's not covered up exactly. Um but at the same time, that doesn't mean that it's accepted. Wow. And in other places in the world, in Asia, there are cultures where it is both revered as, wow, this is something special from the gods, mm -hmm. but also it's still shunned as, yeah, okay. we stay away from them. Wow. Wow. <laughs> or we look down on that. So it's a little bit confusing. But nonetheless, when, I, when I'm in ministry in these different places, um, I've made it a practice that if there are going to be people that we're going to work with um, kind of longer term, then I make sure that they know okay. so that it's not a surprise later. Right. And, you know, it's always been accepted very, very well. Mm. Do people it's been ever here in the states that it's not accepted very well? In the states or outside the states, do people ever just blatantly ask you, like, "Are you are you a man or a woman?" Like, do they yes. get that forthright? Yes, yeah. people do that. Mostly, though, they're people under the age of six. <laughs> <laughs> 
you know, kids, they'll yeah. just come and ask you anything. And so kids will come up and ask, are you a boy or a girl? And it's like, yes. They're like, ha, 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 what? It's like, no, uh, sweetie, there really are some people that are born both. If you need to know more, go ask your mother. <laughs> you know, <it's> like, <laughs> and the mom's in the corner thinking like, <laughs> what in the world right but wow. it's true that, that it's usually children because they don't think to edit right. that you know yeah uh, but there have been some adults um but not usually people that i'm walking in relationship with it'll be you know some policeman stops the car and says wait what <laughs> are you a man or a woman you know or just somebody who in some of these languages, I can hear it, and they don't know that I know what they're talking about. Oh. So they will turn and ask somebody that's in the vehicle with me, wait, is this a man or a woman? Wow. <laughs> it's like, uh. So there is some difficulty with that, and yet it's not nearly as binary as here. Wow. And here, okay. there, there really does seem to be something in American culture that is almost afraid of people like me. And I, I, I don't understand it. I think there's some urban legend, legend kind of stuff going on because even with things like the bathroom bills and things like that, that are difficult topics, there's a whole lot of urban legend in this mm. because, you know, I was, I was talking with a friend I don't know, a week or two ago and said, you know, look, let's be honest. You do a lot of counseling for people. You know, how many people out there that you counsel have been, you know, sexually abused? And it's like, wow, really, actually, unfortunately, a high percentage of people. Yeah. And yeah. it's like, right. So of those people, what percentage would you say are people who were sexually abused in a public bathroom? Oh, well, now very, very low percentage. And then it's like, okay, so let's ask honestly, of those people who have ever been touched or molested in a public bathroom, what would you say is the percentage of people who have ever been touched in a public bathroom by somebody posing as the opposite sex? Yeah. It's like, I don't know of one. I've never heard one case. <laughs> And yet this becomes the threat that society throws around that, you know, if we're not careful, we're going to have men in the women's room and girls, women in the men's room. And this just, it's unsafe. And it's like, look, again, if you ever see me anywhere near a public bathroom, I am the one that needs to be afraid, not you. <laughs> And, and by having a bathroom bill or things like that that say you must, you know, go by the gender on your birth certificate or something, you are guaranteeing that people that look like me will be in the bathrooms with your girls or your boys. Mm -hmm. yeah. It's like this is, it's very serious that we really need to be careful what fear we're swirling around that doesn't actually have real basis to it which i'm curious where do you go if you have to go in public i mean do you just kind of pick it flip a coin again and go in and what what, what is your experience going into gendered bathrooms i, I don't you don't 
Literally, I don't. Because there's, it's a lose-lose situation. It doesn't lose matter right? if I have to fly to the other side of the world. I will wait until get I get on the plane when it's not a gendered bathroom. I will, and it's unfortunate, my team members that, that travel all over the world with me know I will end up sick and really, really in rough shape before I'll end up in a public bathroom. Hmm. And it's, it's not a good thing. And so it does have physical implications and it does do damage to my body, but I, I can't get past that part of the social anxiety of it. Yeah. Would it help if you had a couple friends, say it was me and another male buddy, and then you and we all went together, so you're just not alone, and we can kind of add social covering to you with <laughs> something like that? I'm just thinking out loud here. I don't it's, know. Like, cause that's- it's possible. Um, you know, what I most hope for, of course, is it, it is becoming a little bit more commonplace to have either intersex or there will be a men's room and a women's room and a handicap. Right. And, and it's a single stall, single lock, even in some airports and things like that. But for Pete's sake, you know, Chicago O'Hare is probably one of the worst airports I know. It's like for one of the biggest, it's one of the worst airports I know because they even have the handicapped single stall bathrooms and they're locked. Like <laughs> management or something has them locked. And you can sit outside that bathroom waiting for somebody to come out. It's like there's no one coming out. And and airlines too, you know, the airport security check, as you mentioned and we've talked about before, that's a terribly humiliating and dangerous feeling place. And so for me, being international and being a missionary, I love what I do. I find the people are very accepting internationally i hate traveling to get to them because that's where for me it's the most difficult the airports and the travel with public bathrooms being a necessity and things like that and you mentioned uh trans a few times i I want i've yeah a few questions um sure because oftentimes in my in the work that i do um intersex is often brought up not as a human category to be explored on a relational level but more as an ideology or like almost like the existence of intersex persons in my experience can sometimes be weaponized to argue for one particular ideology and and sometimes it you know can go both both ways on that um how how does that make you feel as a person where this isn't just an argument you're not an argument you're a person and yet sometimes intersex is often brought in to as an argument. Have you experienced that? And how, do, how does, how does that make you feel? I guess I'm not sure exactly what you're, what you're referring well, to, but I think, um, you know, I know that I, you know, I treat trans issues um, very carefully Yeah. because I think that it really is true. Sometimes this is not, necessarily the way God made someone. It can be a construct for some reason. I understand that. At the same time, I do know 100% that there are people out there who they don't know they have an intersex Mm -hmm. condition. Because most intersex conditions, you may, I mean, there are very few of them that are caught when somebody's a child. Right. They, They catch it because something's obvious. Yeah. Like in my case, but 
for the majority of of people out there they might find out when they like go through puberty and right. all their friends are going through puberty and they don't or something like that but there are a number of people who are trans who may or may not actually have an intersex condition that's undiagnosed yeah. and so i can't say this person you know if you're trans you you must live the way that's in alignment with your body i i can't say that because i don't know what was done to your body to make it that way i, I uh, a, a friend of a friend well as a parent with a a biological daughter is exactly what you're talking about the daughter grew up identified as trans as a teenager then later on they found out that while the daughter was a biological female she had basically a male endocrine system so she had the hormone mm -hmm. levels of a, of a man even though right. the body of a female the hormone level levels were off the chart and very male and estrogen levels very male um so that would that would be an example of a a non-visible intersex conditions which was well, clearly so, related to her you know gender right dysphoria. and so if you have somebody who appears to be female rather you know slight in features and appears to be female and even if stripped naked mm -hmm. looks female but later on because of infertility or something right. else they do all kinds of tests and find out oh there's a gonad you know undescended testes there right. and they test the chromosomes and this is chromosomally a male, mm -hmm. but yeah. in mother's womb, there was not either the test testosterone was rejected or the mother didn't produce the right, whatever. Right. And so, yeah. you know, this little baby started growing as female, right. but when the chromosomes say male, when you have an undescended testes, mm -hmm. And you have somebody who says, I know everybody says she, mm -hmm. I can't explain why, but I know I'm a guy. Mm -hmm. What are you going to say? Yeah. But wait, by the time you meet this person, you don't know about medical stuff. You don't know what surgeries this child had as an infant. You don't know about what gonads or not gonads. You, you know nothing. All you know as most church people and most people in society, all you know is this person looks female. You don't even see under their clothes. So you don't really know, yeah. but looks female and says, but I'm a guy inside. Now, why are we making the judgment call? Mm -hmm. It's not our call. Yeah. And yeah. so I think we have to be really careful in society and especially in the church, because let's be honest, you don't really know. Do you, do you, I mean, do you get it, the opportunity to meet other intersex people more than the Absolutely. average person? I mean, and how, yeah. how, like, uh, just do people come out to you and say, Hey, <laughs> you look intersex. I think I am too. Can we talk? Or how, like, what does that look like practically? No. Um, thank God for technology and the internet. Mm. That's, that's a good thing in this day and age. Yes, it has many problems and it can cause problems in people's lives. But, um, you know, before this generation where you have the Internet, it really was true. You if you are an intersex person, you would probably never meet another person like you. Right. Because even if you did, you wouldn't know it. Wouldn't so, know. you know, that kind of thing. But now with the Internet, 
there are places to connect. There are places to find other people. Okay. But also, um, once a year, there is a um, intersex conference, kind of a gathering. Hmm. Um, and so last year was actually my first year of being in the country during the time that they were having it. So I went and met with people um, at that. And, you know, to sit in a room with hundreds and hundreds of people like me. Wow. And, you know, my particular condition called chimerism is really very rare. And so it's been estimated, again, statistics, why do people make statistics that they can't prove? But they said, you know, in the whole world at any given point in time, there might be three or four people like me. Well, we got to the intersex conference last year, and there were five of us in one room. Hmm. Because it was very interesting early on in the conference. It's my first time. And so somebody said something about, you know, what is your diagnosis? And I told them, I maybe never heard of it. This is the name of it. And they're like, oh my goodness, are you kidding? There's other people like that. And pointed to several in the room and I just, my jaw hit the floor. It's like this, these, these people know what this is. They know what this is like. They know my life, you know, Mm -hmm. until, so it wasn't at all a Christian group or anything like that. And yet I found a good, strong Mm -hmm. group of Christians in it. And other people who are saying, yeah, you know what, I, I love the Lord, but I really hate church. And I'm like, me too. (laughs) So to find, to find those places where, you know, you can find people not only who know your pain and know your life, but also know and are in a pursuit to say, I'm not a mistake. Yeah. And that's one of the beautiful things because, you know, it's true that, intersex people can grapple a lot with if there is a God and if he created me, why did he make such a big mistake? Mm. And so to, to be with other people and talk about God and how he made me this way, I'm not a mistake. And now my goal is to come to know him and to live my life in alignment with his purposes for me. Hmm. That's been huge. And that's really encouraging to other intersex people as well. Wow. Yeah. Um, w- real quick pronouns. I, I, I meant to ask this earlier. Do you have a preference <laughs> or? <laughs> wow. Well, I can say that the people who cl- walk closest with me will most often say he, unless we're in public. And uh, when we're in public, they kind of, try to revert to as few pronouns as possible and they will just keep repeat repeating the name christian instead <laughs> you know, so that's always a little strange but um do you have a preference and or? when people get to know that i have an intersex condition that question often comes up right and i like to just put people at ease and say thank god i'm not somebody who's very easily offended by these things but i said look I'll, let's be honest. If you say she, you're kind of right. And if you say he, you're pretty right too. So. <laughs> but you know, I know for the majority of intersex people, they really do feel one way. Okay. They really, yeah. And so, um, 
you know, just follow their lead. And if you see them flinching when you give a pronoun, if you see them kind of flinch in pain, just talk to them. That, yeah. That's the one thing I can say for intersex people yeah. is yeah. rather than assume anything, ask. Okay. Rather mm-hmm. than tiptoe around something, ask. Yeah. Because yeah. it's not people questioning me mm-hmm. that is painful to me. Mm-hmm. It's people assuming something and going with it. That that can be so painful. So for you, you don't have a strong preference. You just appreciate when people ask you, hey, what do you prefer? And, and you're kind of like, that doesn't really matter. Or... Well, when it comes to pronouns in public, I just go with whatever people are saying. Okay. I mean, if I'm in the grocery store and they say, hello, ma'am, uh, or sir, uh, <laughs> you know, whatever, yeah. I don't make a big deal out yeah. of it. I don't try to make them feel foolish. Right. And if I'm with somebody who says she, I really do just say, yeah, they're kind of right. They're kind of wrong yeah. too, but they're kind of right. And right. so I don't have to make an issue out of correcting them. Right. How do, how do you feel? I'm curious when people, well, would, are you comfortable when people say that God creates God has a hand in creating every person, and yet we do live in a fallen world, and therefore intersex conditions are both, you know, you're created by God, you're creating God's image, but then your condition is part of the fall. Is that offensive, or how do you process that? It's so painful. Really? Okay. It's it's just painful. You know, I know there were times in history, I don't know if it's still happening, but I know in history when, you know, people who were um, Native American Indian or African American or just black, let's just be honest, yeah. black, where they were termed as, well, you know, they're the cursed ones or something. It's like, hmm. wow, how, how do you suppose that feels, you know? Yeah. And so when people say, yeah, you know, it's a fallen world. And so this is part of the fall. That is so painful hmm. because you're relegating this to sin. And the result of sin, when, you know, I, I forget who it was. It's someone like historically among Judaism, I think, who was the first one that I heard say um, that they kind of look at it and say, look, um, when we go back to Genesis 1 and 2, God created Adam and Eve. Very gendered. Got it. I understand that. Mm-hmm. But is that really true? Because before God created Eve, God created Adam and took Eve out of him. So who was Adam before Eve was taken out? Hmm. And it's like, I, I tend to look at it, and especially based on what God spoke to my, my spirit years ago, he made me this way. This is not a mistake. He's taking credit for it. That's that doesn't sound like the fall to me. And yeah. and I'm not saying that there are issues. Yes, definitely I have issues in my life from the fall. And yes, I absolutely believe that I was born um with, you know, Adam stuff, <laughs> you know, from from the fall. And so I get that. At the same time, I look at it and I I wonder I'm not saying it and standing on it as, you know, this is what it means, but 
you do have to ask yourself the question, who was Adam before Eve was taken out of him? Yeah. And yeah. did that original look a little bit more like me than you might be comfortable with? Well, there is an interpretation of Genesis 1. I, I don't find it particularly convincing, but where people would say that in Genesis 1, in the image of God, he created them. Uh, male and female, he created him. Or, you know, that the pronouns there are kind of... Yeah shaky but some people would say that the in genesis one you have basically an androgynous or a blend male female right. human person and then in genesis two is when they're split apart um so it's it's more consequential so that oh, mm -hmm. the, the creation of hum humanity one is prior to two whereas i think most people would say they're kind of two different looks at the same event which i, th I think is more mm -hmm. credible but th there is yeah within judaism and even in in some greek philosophy you have in plato you sure. know absolutely you know the splitting of the human person and some people aren't quite split they're just left as they are and um so you do have all the way back i mean as far as we can go people trying to make sense of um intersex people which have always been around in fact in the ancient world when clothing clothing was a bit more optional <laughs> um right you know uh, it would the intersex people were more visible and in ancient literature you see a lot more conversations about it than you would even today you know like yeah. like you said a lot of people don't even know what intersex is today in the ancient right. world i think it was a category they didn't call it intersex but i mean it was a category that right. was much they more did understand it oh right. yeah yeah well and and even where i do ministry in some very remote places they don't know it by the name intersex sure. and yet they do recognize even some some remote tribes will say, yeah, there are some people who are born some way and yeah. you're not quite sure. And it's like, so what do you do? And it's like, you know what? I've never had those tribes say we do, we do surgery. Never once had any of those tribes say we take them to have surgery. It's like, what do you do, you Maasai people in, right. in Kenya and in Tanzania? What do you do? Well, we leave them alone until they grow up. They'll tell us who they are. I, I, that's that's the approach. I, that's the approach I take. And and who am I? You know. But, but as I look on from the outside, that makes more sense to me. Unless, would you say, unless there is a health something that is that needs to be um, that where surgery needs to happen for health reasons. Like I, I have right. a friend with a child who, who had a very mild intersex condition, but for health reasons, they needed to operate very early on. It, it, it didn't seem like it was a desire to stuff this person in a binary, which there I would say if there's no health risk and let the person decide when they're older whether or not they want surgery. Um, but do you hear what you're saying, though? Hmm. Because even I hear you agreeing with me, and yeah. yet there really is a big debate out there about, well, can intersex or trans people have surgery? There is this debate out there where the church wants to say, well, you should never have sex reassignment surgery or sex affirming surgery or something like that. And it's like, wait, 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 let's let's be honest. If a baby is born mixed, I agree, unless there's a medical emergency region, let them be. Right. But yeah. most people in society, let they might think that's ideal, but if their baby is born that way yeah. <laughs> or their daughter or their son all of a sudden has a baby born that way i'm telling you they might not announce it to everybody but they're going to the doctor saying fix it fix it fast so somewhere we're saying if a child is born like 
as early as possible, quick fix it for society's benefit. But the very same surgery, if you wait till later in life, for somebody who's trans or somebody who's intersex who says, you know what, I just want to be normal in society. Please let me be normal mm -hmm. in society. Mm -hmm. We're going to say, no, 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 you shouldn't do that. It's like, we can't have, we can't have it both ways. We need to be able to say, you know, um, yeah. <laughs> you can't yeah. say, yes, definitely, you know, parents should be allowed to have surgery for their children. But then if the, that adult later says, I think the surgery went the wrong way. Nope, you cannot do it. You cannot, you cannot, it would be against God. You can't do that. But you know, so, you're, you're talking specifically about uh, intersex persons, not people with gender dysphoria who don't have, let's just say they've been examined and they have no intersex condition, but they may still well, feel- How do you know? <laughs> Well, I mean, Unless then, they've had chromosomal testing, you don't know. Yeah, and that's so part of the yeah. confusion of it is we think it's very easy to find out. You, you think it's very easy to know whether this is a body thing or a mind thing. Mm -hmm. And it's just not always that easy. But let's and just, so yeah. I think it's part of that thing where please walk with people. Yeah. Don't stand as a spectator and lob in your opinions. Right. Walk with them because, you know, even for me, if somebody didn't understand what was under my clothes, because I ain't flaunting it. So <laughs> if you didn't understand what's under my clothes and you didn't know me and I wasn't open with you about it, mm -hmm. how, what opinion would you have about me? You would probably say, you know, yeah, this is a moral issue and if you take any kind of medication, oh, you should not be taking any kind of hormones. And uh, it's like, why don't you walk with me hmm. and see that before I took any hormones, because after I got out of my bad situation of my past, I stopped all medications. I stopped everything. And you know, 20 years into a lifestyle with no medications and no external help, for my body, my intersex body, my organs were starting to give me problems. Mm. I was having heart irregularity. My kidneys were messed up. My, it, like my system was shutting down because my body was treating myself like an allergy. Wow. So it's like, I needed people who were walking with me saying, let's pray about this. Let's see you know, and I, I had a wonderful doctor who said, let's walk together, let's try some things, and let's see what your body really needs. Hmm. But if I went just by the opinion of well-meaning, I'll give them that, but well-meaning Christians around me who would say, no medications, no medications, you know, I could be dead by now. Yeah. So it really is, have people who will walk with me I will face things together. We'll pray about them together. We'll talk about things together. Mm -hmm. But yeah, uh, it's, you know, Brene Brown talks mm -hmm. in her book, Daring Greatly about, or Rising Strong, one of the two books about, um, you know, people, spectators who stand, uh, sit in the cheap seats 
of the arena and they will lob their opinions, but they aren't down there in the arena with you. They have no skin in the game. And the way she terms it is, if you're not down in the arena with me, sweating it out, bleeding with me, in the fight with me, I cannot listen to your opinion on this. And so I, I really, I hear that and it resonates with me because if someone's willing to get in this with me, wrestle with it, pray with me about it, talk with me, even explore for me or with me, what are the medical implications? What could happen? What changes? What all these things, somebody who will walk with me through this, man, that creates the kind of fellowship and the kind of bonding that not only do I need, but the balance for somebody else outside to speak into my life and say, you know what, um, this, this isn't okay. Or, wow, I can totally see this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Let's, let's take some steps together. Let me, I'm, I'm, this, this is really so incredibly helpful. So let, let me try to, I want to, based on what you just said there, getting walking with somebody relationally, yeah. not just lobbing opinions or, ha- or having yep. opinions from a distance. You're with the person. Yep. If somebody does that, they walk in with you, they're committed for life. And maybe, maybe even there's some disagreement on some yep. of the theology of this. Would you say that when there's relational commitment, then, um, there can be more space for a more theological conversation. I'm just, I want to return back to the thing when I said that if somebody believes that intersex is ultimately a condition of the fall, if somebody is, let, let's just say some of these, you know, the pastor friends or your missionary friends, whatever, they, they are, I mean, they are 100% committed to you. They're not scared of you. They value you. They delight right. in you, all this stuff. And then you happen to find out that, oh, they also do believe that intersex conditions are a result of the fall. Does that make a big difference rather than hearing it from a distance, some pastor from a stage that has no desire to walk with you saying intersex is a condition from the fall. Does that make a difference when there's relational collateral there or does it still hurt when people say that? Oh, that's a tough question because if I'm honest with you, the people that have walked together with me, all, all of the ones who I consider to be really close friends with me and have walked together with me for years. One of the very beautiful things that happen it happens is not only when you walk together with people, not only do they get to know you at a very personal level, mm-hmm. but when you have people who will pray with you mm-hmm. through something, um, God, by his Holy Spirit, has a very unifying effect. Mm. So that even if my my friends who walk with me kind of think, yeah, you know what, that's probably not a choice that I would make. They have grace given by God to walk with me. And you know what, at times if they say to me, you know what, I need to tell you the truth. I think something you're doing is a big mistake. God gives me grace for that, but also because of the relationship, I'm so secure in the relationship that I'm not ready or willing to walk away from that relationship. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Sure. It's like if, if, if a stranger on the street walked up to you and said, oh, you got a big booger on your nose. And it's like, <laughs> it's like that, um, 
okay, take care of that and walk away. I never have to see these people again. But you know, but if you have somebody in your life, your your spouse or somebody who walks with you through life and that kind of thing and yeah. has to turn to you and say, you know, this is really bad. Uh, you need to take care of that. It's like, this is not something to break relationship over. Yeah. Right? So good, and so yeah. at some level, when I've had friends who talk and pray with me through really difficult times, there are times where, you know, even I have one particular friend who, yeah, he really doesn't see things eye to eye with me. Mm-hmm. And I have the grace and I love him anyway. And he loves me anyway. Mm-hmm. And we don't agree on this issue, but mm-hmm. you know what? It doesn't, it doesn't stop me in a heartbeat from going, if there's ever an issue, I can call on him. And if ever yeah. he's having a Memorial Day party, he can call on me and say, come over. There's no <laughs> hesitation. Yeah. And so yeah. that's where yeah. the relationship actually ministers grace to both parties. Mm-hmm. And, and it really is true. When I found those friends who will walk with me and pray th- with me through anything, then even if I hear something from God that kind of sounds like a, um, that's not okay, I also then have friends with me who will help me walk through the repentance or the, you know, whatever change I need to make. And so what ends up happening is not only is the friendship solidified at really deep levels, but we both are ministered grace mm-hmm. by God, by his Holy Spirit, yeah. so that yeah. we walk together and we come to really beautiful places together. And, you know, I, I think even you and I, Preston, we've had some discussions and clearly there's some things I probably think that you don't agree with and some things that you maybe think that I don't agree with, but I, I wouldn't hesitate a minute to give you a call if there was something needed. And, and it's like, it's okay yeah. to have a different yeah. opinion. Yeah. Just don't yeah. hurt me with it. That, oh, and I would so and awesome. think the same thing, you know, yeah. it's okay if you have a different opinion. I think we can continue to walk together because even in our differences, I think we'll come to greater clarity. Mm-hmm. That's such, that's such a good word. Yes. I, I yeah. Cause I mean, I, it, I, I know for me and I know for you and, and I know other well-intended people, we're just, we're trying to figure this out. This whole, and let's just include gender and intersex and this whole yep. umbrella topic. It's so yep. complicated. We're so ignorant. And if, as we are pursuing truth and relationships and what does God say and how does this person experience life and how can I walk with this person and what does Genesis mean? You know, like I think these are all important interactions we need to have with a posture of patience and humility. Patience meaning it may take a while, (laughs) maybe 10 years before I'm like, okay, I think I might have this a little bit more figured out on a theological level or, hey, I need to walk with 15, 20, 50 other people to really understand the relational dynamics of this. And from my vantage point, it seems like if people are simply pursuing that with a spirit of patience, humility, and always centered on the relationship and person. Like that is our ultimate goal is how can I walk with this person and how can this person that I'm walking with push me to be more like Jesus? Like I just, I, mm-hmm. I, I've told this story about you, Christian. I'll, I haven't told you this, but when we hung out at that sports bar in the city we were yeah. hanging out in, yeah. 
you do you remember what you were doing that night where you went from there? I mean, it was it was like ten at night. I was tired. You were tired. Do you remember what you did that night? Nope. <laughs> you had a friend. You had a friend in the hospital, and you were going to sit in a chair all night. Oh yeah, that was hospice. Yeah, at his home. I was sitting in his chair that night, helping him as he's taking his yeah. last. You're staying yeah. up, basically being available all night to another human being in need and praying for the person by yourself, yep. with them, whatever. And I'm just, I was just blown away thinking, like, I've got a slew of other non-intersex friends, you know, who would never do that. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, to me, that that is, that's where everything flows from. You know, and you, I'm seeing this incredible story. We didn't get into your past, and we won't get into your past, but, I mean, it's, I, I've, I don't know if I've heard a story like your 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 personal story and yeah. seeing your your conversion and your walk with Christ and in the midst of putting up with daily daily trials that the average person wouldn't be able to handle just yeah. and yet you are giving your life to people you're giving life to the gospel I'm like oh my gosh like can you be my pastor? Like I would, if you were in full-time <laughs> ministry, I would race to your church. You know, and people are like, wait, is this pop? I mean, what do you mean? Like this person is walking faithfully in the midst of trials that most people would never even conceive of. And yet you are, pers- and I, you know, you know, you say, look, it's, I'm not all you, it's cracked up to be, but I mean, I, I'm just so, I'm, I'm, I feel like I'm in the presence of God when I'm in your presence. And for me, whatever theological thing we're working through or, you know, what role is a fall player, this, that, or is transitioning ever okay? You know, whatever. I mean, th- these are all important questions, but when done in the context of relationship, I think, I don't know. I'm just, uh, all I'm saying is like y- what you're saying about relationship to me is, yeah. is huge. But And I think, you know, I, I don't want to take too much of your time, but one of the things that I would really challenge you with sure. even when you're when you're talking to others about I don't I don't know how much it is about orientation stuff as much but with regard to gender things I think I have a question for society really and for the church and for you is why why do we have to have strong opinions hmm. I mean yeah. why is it why, why do we, even as a church, have to have strong opinions on hormone replacement therapy or surgery? Um, it's, it's really painful to me when people standing from the outside believe that they have a say. Yeah. And believe that their opinion, it sounds bad, they believe their opinion matters. <laughs> you know, in my life, I am very clearly non-binary sure. in society. Whether you have the opinion that I should have surgery mm-hmm. to get rid of breasts or to yeah. get rid of a penis, I don't care what your opinion is. Yeah. You don't have a say. Yeah. Um, I have to take hormones in my life because when I don't, the male hormones and the female hormones, they do not like each other. <laughs> and so right. that's where it started to destroy some of my organ organs. Mm. If I don't take some kind of hormones, my body will destroy itself. Wow. I'm sorry, your opinion doesn't matter. <laughs> I can't imagine. And so it in- I think in life, 
why why do we make this an issue that the church needs to talk about what's okay or isn't? And I think I said it to you when we were at that sports bar. I said, look, Preston, if if tomorrow, I, I don't know your wife, I've never seen your wife, if tomorrow your wife wanted to have breast augmentation surgery, mm-hmm. are we going to talk about this among the churches and the denominations about whether she's allowed to or not? <laughs> All of us would turn to you and say, Preston, it's nobody's business. That's between you and your wife. That's, you know, it's like, I may have an opinion about what I think. Mm-hmm. It's not my business to talk into that. Yeah. I don't know. And if tomorrow you were in an accident and all of your male organs were damaged, mm-hmm. am I going to say, oh, well, you should just have everything constructed and just start living life as a female? Not my call. Wow. Um, you know, really, you should have surgery to reconstruct all of those organs so that you can live a happy life. It's like, not my call, not my business. Are you a doctor? But somehow in the church, we're having conversations about whether people can or can't have surgery, whether people can or can't have hormones. And it's like, I'm sorry. Why is this an opinion that the church needs to have? I, I, I would, I have a lot of thoughts on everything you're saying. Um, I, I would say mostly in agreement. Uh, I do have other, I would have some counter, not counter, it's qu- other questions I would bring in. Yeah, but, it's okay. You can have counter thoughts. I'm okay yeah, with that. No, no. I, I, but I think we're, we're over time now and, um, yeah, let's pick it up again because I, I think these are the, it's too important. I don't want to rush it at the end because I do have some and questions. Not not like yeah, but what about this? But actual genuine questions like Christian, what about this? Like, what are your thoughts? Like, I actually want to explore this with you and learn from you because I think you're raising incredibly good questions. <laughs> I, I what, what you said, I can 100 percent affirm that when people have let's just say opinions that just are informed, you know, like they have opinions and it's like. Why do you have that opinion? And why do you have such a strong opinion about this? You don't even know what you're talking about. You're not a medical doctor. You're not a theologian. You're not whatever. Like, you haven't actually done a lot of thinking or even reading or let alone talking to other people about this. And yet people do have strong opinions that it's just unmatched by evidence. That's where I get from. Even if your opinion might be right, if it's uninformed, I'm like, you better understand. I think that's the key, isn't it? It's the uninformed thing. Yeah. Because even with regard to marriage or anything else, it's like, it doesn't mean that we don't have an opinion. It doesn't mean that we don't have standards. I think that it's important and I think it's a God thing to have those. But I also think you have to be walking close enough with people that you really know who they are in their situation. Otherwise, you really have no grounds to speak into that. No, that's that's, that's it. Cool. Interesting. Yeah. Kristen, I can't thank you enough for this. Is there any, um, I, I imagine some people listening to this, um, there's several thousand. So there's going to be a few, at least a few that either are intersex and know it, probably a, a number of people who are intersex and don't know it. Maybe a parent with an intersex person that were like, oh my gosh, I would love to get a hold of this person to talk with them. Is that something you, is this like a side ministry you have walking with people that are walking through this or if somebody wanted to get a hold of you is that something that 
they could I do I actually would absolutely value talking to people. And so uh, I'll get you some information on how that can happen. Okay. Um, and so, yeah, if you don't mind filtering it through yes. your office or something yes. like that, that'd be good. Let's but, do, um, yeah. you know, I think um, I do like to meet and talk with intersex people. I do meet with some people um, on the internet that way. Okay. Um, but it just seems that lately it's gotten really, really hectic. And so okay. I would like to, I think, scale back into just speaking with people one-on-one -on -one or conversing with them in a bit more privacy over email or something like that. But yeah, absolutely. I really do value walking with others who are on this journey. So, awesome. Yeah, so, so, I'll get you some info on that. So if you're listening, then you can contact me through uh, Chris yep. at Chris at PrestonSprinkle.com. That's C-H-R-I-S at PrestonSprinkle.com. And yeah, for you, Christian, I'll, I'll be a somewhat of a filter, you know. I mean, if it's just some random person who says, hey, I... I, you know, I've got a question or I've got to argue, you know, I'm, I, I will screen out all that people. Stuff. It's like, yeah. no. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you again for being on Theology in the Raw, Christian. We'll have to do this again. And thank you, you so bet. much for your ministry, your heart for the gospel, your missionary endeavors, and for putting up with us other Christians who uh, act in a lot of ignorance sometimes. So I, I just want to apologize for the offensive things you've had to tolerate in the church. I can only imagine what that's, what that's been like. Thanks. Let's just work on that, okay? Okay. <laughs> All right. All right. Take care.